Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to Listen Now, the podcast where we go through the most important and rockinest albums of all time. This season, we are focusing on albums from the 1980s. I'm your host, Matt Stewart, and with me, as always, is my co-host and cousin, Sam Tonkin. <laughs> Welcome, Sam. Smooth as always. <laughs> hello, hello. How have you been this past period of time that uh, has passed? I've been good. I've been very good. Thank you so much. It's, it's great to be back in your acquaintance once again. You are most welcome. This week we're talking about In Excess's yes. massive ah. smash hit album from 1987, Kick, which was voted as the 12th most popular 80s rock album by our listeners. Thanks, listeners. Um... If you want to know what next week's album is, listen all the way to the end, and I'll let you know. And <laughs> nice some, and su- subtly. Real subtly. Real, real subtly. Hey, Sam, can I ask you a quick question? Ask me a quick question. What was your relationship with In Excess growing up? Well, last week I had zero relationship with the Smiths. This week I have all of the relationship oh, yeah. with In Excess. This was very much a Craig Tonkin specialty. Um, I'm pretty sure I've got all of the In Excess albums on record, on vinyl, uh, wow. originally purchased when they came out because Dad was such a big fan. So I love In Excess. I w- am very excited for this episode. Um, and I know a lot of the songs, which is also nice because the last one I knew none. Right. Yeah, well, it's very similar to me. I Well, apart from my folks, I don't think we're particularly big fans of In Excess or anything, but, mm-hmm. I mean, I think... Probably in Australia more than anywhere. Growing up, they were an Australian band from mm-hmm. Sydney, I think. Sydney and I think started in Sydney maybe. Yeah, but um, so, and they just had so many hits here. I've never listened to an album of theirs before this week. Really? And I knew, I think I knew six of the 12 tracks. Yeah, well, I think. I think knew six s- of them. I think were. seven were released as singles. So, hang on. I knew one, two, three four, five, six, seven, eight. All right, I knew eight of the 12 songs. That's a pretty good, uh, what's that, two-thirds? Yeah. <gasps> maths, quick so, maths. So, um, and I, that was surprising to me. I was, And then I'm like, oh, is this, this is basically their greatest hits, but they had hits on multiple other albums that I also know back to front. Yeah. I had no idea how many songs of theirs I knew. Their um, greatest hits that was released, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago is, is a two-disc set, and the amount that you would know on it is insane. You're like, oh, this was them? This was them? Right. I know this one. Yeah, like the, I think one of their first singles was Just Keep Walking. That was their... And that I sounds that like a different band. first single. Right. Um, Very different style to what they sort yeah. of became famous for, but... Yep. Um, yeah, it's amazing how many, manal, manal, manal. how many tunes. I don't know. And they, yeah, they're just a band I don't really think about that much. I, but they were just always around. Yeah. And they're very like, a, I find them to be a very like non-offensive type band in that like, you know, like Cold Chisel, for example, some people really don't like them. Yeah. ACDC, same thing. No one seems to like particularly dislike In Excess. I think they're like very... <laughs> this is so boring, but they've got very nice music. Yeah, but very 80s. Very 80s. They're like one of the most 80s bands of all time, I reckon. Oh, that fucking saxophone, Kirk yeah. Pengilly. One mate. of the most 80s bands of the 80s. Mm, um, one might say. And also have one of the best, one of the members with one of the best names. Yes. Gary which... Gary Beers. <laughs> and the Garys are spelt two different ways. Oh, my God. His name is Gary Gary Beers. Someone's listening right now who never had heard of Gary Gary Beers, and we've just Gary, made Gary their days. Gary Double R, Gary Single R, Beers. Gary Gary Beers. It's not his real name, though, sorry. No, but, I mean, it it's is. It's still Gary Beers. Yeah. It's just got a different middle name. Gary Gary Beers. 
Gary Gary beers. Brings me joy. So good. It sparks joy in me. Sparks joy. I will keep this. Gary William is his actual name. Mm, no, it's not. It's Gary <laughs> Gary beers. <laughs> he should change it officially, like surely. So, uh, yeah, I, I th- and they they did become a big band around the world, but um, not for as long as they were in Australia. No, yeah, they, they stuck around in Australia, very popular for as long as they were going pretty much. Yeah, they were big-ish in Australia straight away and remain, you know, around the whole time. Mm-hmm. I saw them after... JD Hutchins. Fortune as a singer? No, it was John Stevens. John Stevens. I think of uh, Noiseworks. It was the first concert I ever went to. Really? That's sick. Well, but it wasn't their concert. It was the Mushroom Records uh 25th anniversary oh, I concert. I think we've MCG. talked about this before. Yeah, and it was like you just had like a, my ideal lineup. And everyone played like two songs. Um oh. and the, their sets would have been shorter than the changeover period between bands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, I'm pretty sure they, it was like maybe the first time they played it was cause it might've even been the year he died. Whoa. That's 97. I think. Yeah. 90, he died in 97. Same as, uh, our princess Diana. Oh, true. Um, yeah. The world changed that year mm. and the saints uh, finished on top of the ladder. So. Oh, bit... and we lost Adelaide in the grand final. Yeah. I was there for that. <laughs> it was a, there was a lot of heartbreak that year. <laughs> yeah, so much promise, so much heartbreak. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so that I saw them, and then I saw Blink One Eight Two, supported by Body Jar and Unwritten Law, in the same know. month or the same couple of months. That were my first two concerts. That is a good intro to live music. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll try and find the more about the Mushroom Records. Mushroom Records thing as we go. I'll I'll talk about it later. But you've got a. Do you have a? Wait, what was I going to say? No, that was all I was going to say. That, <laughs> that was one of the first bands I saw. But. Um, uh, yeah, you do you have a oh is Jimmy Barnes and In Excess played together? They played Good Times. Um, yeah, uh, which is one of the big which, hits. We, might play, a, we might play a little daughter. of that song later. Actually, I think we played it during the Cold Chisel season. But I'm you know never against hearing our our mate Jimmy. Yeah, Danny Minogue was there. Paul Kelly, Renee Gaya, Vic and Linda Bull, Peter Andre was there. Apparently, Peter. Wow, we'll say no more. Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs, the Angels, flying solo. Fuck yeah, the Whitlams. Where they blow up the pokies. Our, our uh, relative, Paul Stewart, with the painters and dockers played. <laughs> Are we actually related to him? Yeah. Are we really? Yeah, it's like he's like a second cousin or something of of like my our, dad, your mom. Our parents' cousin or our parents' second cousin? I think he was like our parents' cousin. second cousin. Uh, so it makes him like, you know, a distant relative. I genuinely just assume that if they're a Stuart, they're somehow related to us. Yeah. Which I know there's a true. fucking lot of us in <laughs> our family alone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it looks like Sunny Boys were there. My memories of it are very vague. Oh, Kyle Minogue played. Fuck. Um, yeah, it's a big old bloody thing. That sounds great. Uh, is Mushroom Records not together any not a thing anymore? Is it? It's funny. So it was in excess with Jimmy Barnes. So that, I reckon that was one of the first. Um, it was '98, so the year after. Oh, the year after. Wow, that might have been one of their first concerts because they didn't play for almost a year after the, after he died. Yeah, which makes some sense, I yeah. guess. Um, Insane. Do you, so. Do you have a bit of a an intro? A little spiel. Spiel yes. For, yes, I for do. those who don't know, in excess. So, in excess is uh, or was six band members, and I don't reckon you see this very often. But they kept the same lineup until Michael Hutchins, the singer, died. So they had the same uh, six blokes for just over twenty years. Yeah, wow. Um, so you got Michael Hutchins, the singer. Um, and then you got the three Farris brothers, Tim, Andrew, and John. And I think Andrew was the main writer alongside Michael Hutchins. Gary Gary Beers on the bass. And Kirk Pengilly, who I think he played rhythm guitar, but he was their saxophonist. 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 Saxophone player. <laughs> the guy who played the sax. <laughs> yeah. He was the sax man. I'm the sax man. Um, so they, they kept the same lineup for their entire, you know, main part of their career, which is pretty impressive. I really don't think yes. that, that happens very often. Certainly not with a six 
band, six member band. Stats are not a, not in their favour. Normal, yeah. I'd say it probably happens. I mean, people will be listening, going, "I can think of a million <laughs> examples <laughs> <Yeah>. of that." <laughs> Send them in if you can think of any that are like it. Let us know because uh, I don't know any of uh, similar. Uh, anyway. So they, Gary Gary Beers and I think Andrew, Andrew Farris, the main writer, um, went to school with Michael Hutchins um, and then Tim was with Gary Gary Beers maybe or something. But basically they went to the same high school just about um, in Sydney at Whale Beach, which is 40 kilometres north of Sydney actually. Um, and they... Started performing in 77 together and then 78, the parents of the Farris boys relocated to Perth. Um, So once the rest of the boys finished schooling in Sydney, they all went over um, and started, uh, they briefly performed as the vegetables, performing their song, We Are the Vegetables. (laughs) Yeah. That's t- probably a hot top in our shittest <laughs> names. Yeah, it feels like, like it feels like it could work, but yeah, that's not a good name, it's is it? Bad. The it's, vegetables. That's bad. That's bad. Bad. The Wiggles used to be called the cockroaches when they were, but that's got some like snappiness about it. Yeah, no, I guess it was sort of like a bit of a play on the Beatles, right? I think so. And then they did go on to be and the one of the biggest selling. That's what they children's call artists. Of the all Sydney. <laughs> we have <having> two. <laughs> We were having a conversation where each of us said <laughs> we're talking two different things. <laughs> it was freaking it's me good out. to be back. It felt like we were glitching on a Zoom call, but in the same room. In the same room this time. It's the second time that's happened to me recently in this studio where I'm like, I'm still getting used to being in the same room as someone. Because on the Zoom, you sort of have to push through. Yeah. Because it's <laughs> yeah. slightly out of sync and one of you has to just keep going. Yep. But in the same room, that is not the case. But we both just kept talking. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good. Um, so I vegetables. was trying to say, <laughs> I think, was that the, uh, the New South Wales rugby team's called the Cockroaches. That's sort of like their nickname as well. Are they? Yeah. Gross. I think Sydney has lots of cockroaches. Ew. They're, they're just citizens, Matt. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I remember our uncle, our uncle Jared, who lives in Sydney, and that was one of the memories of staying at his place. It's just cockroaches. It's like this that's, is just how it is up here. That's fucking gross. There's cockroaches in in the kitchen. That's just that's just life. No. Oh, oh, it makes my skin feel funny. You know, your teeth get feeling weird if you think about gross shit. That's what I'm. Anyway, anywho, um, so uh, they moved. Uh, they all ended up in Perth in 78 um, and then I think they all came back to Sydney like a year later. So it was a brief stint in Perth. Right. Um, and then after a uh, – I think they made a little demo and started playing some like local pubs and one of the brothers, one of the Ferris brothers was approached by Gary Mon- Morris who is or was the manager of Midnight Oil. So, you know, two of, just two casually of the biggest Australian bands – by one manager. He's like, you know what? I like you. Um, so their name was The Vegetables and Morris uh, advised uh, the the group, the team, that a member of the Midnight Oils crew had come up with a better name for them and suggested In Excess, um, which was inspired by English band XTC and Australian jam makers IXL. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Kirk Pen- Pengilly later talked about uh, Morris was interested in turning the group into a Christian band, which the band actually briefly considered before being like, nah, we're cool. Yeah, right. How weird is that? Imagine In Excess is a Christian band. Yeah. I can't. Does not compute in my little brain. Yeah, right. Um, their first... It's funny to do that as a like a, a marketing idea. Yeah. We'll be able to move more units if you become a Christian band. <laughs> That's not like, hey, we're really passionate about Christianity spreading the good word. Yep. So we started a band. It's like, we're already a band called The Vegetables. Yeah, get rid of that. You're yep. now called The Good Jesus Book Christ. Lovers. Superstar. Um, they had their first single, Simple Simon slash We Are The Vegetables. 
<laughs> I'm picturing them. Each of them is dressed up in with a, a different vegetable. Yes. <laughs> One of them's in a, in a oh. tomato suit, and people are like they're technically actually a, a fruit. <laughs> it's, it's a fruit. It's actually a fruit. Um, so then their first album was self-titled, and that had uh, "Just Keep Walking" on it, which is a great song, great film clip. Well, I, I love all of it. Yeah, I'm just going to say I love all of it for this entire episode, probably. Um, they should we hear a little bit? Yeah, give us give us some. Just keep walking. All right, give us a second. You keep talking. I'll start I'll singing. Find it. Just banum, keep walking. Banum, banum. Um, let me just see how successful this. Uh, just keep walking became their first Australian top forty hit, um, and was released in 1980. Banum, banum. Yeah, I don't know why it always sounded different to an excess to me. It is quite different to their other stuff, right? I think so, yeah. If you listen, they, their style definitely uh, develops a lot, as one would expect over 20 years. This sounds real English. Ooh, yeah. I mean, it's almost like it's putting on an English accent. Clever words on smooth tongue talking, shove it, brother, just keep walking. Six song, I like it. Yeah, it's great. Film clip's cool. The uh, Galvatrons, who was a band that I used to love about <laughs> 10 years ago. You used to love the Galvatrons. Loved. Loved they, were, they, like, they were real big, but they only... Had, they had one single and they, that went live. all their fans were like you. Me. You and everyone <laughs> like you. It was me, X20. Yeah. Uh, but their, uh, their big single, their only single really, um, when we were kids, the film clip, they tried to do like a space version of the Just Keep Walking ah. film clip. What's Which that is... song? Because I, I don't know if I'd recognise a Galvatron Do song. you remember when we were kids? And he's, he sings real funny. When we were kids. Here we go. I know they weren't that big. There are 80,000 plays on... No, they, they had a really cool um, EP. Uh, and then they changed a whole bunch of the sounds and the lyrics for the album version of some of the songs, and it kind of ruined it. Oh, a sad story. Is they from Melbourne? I think so. I reckon I've seen him on the train. <laughs> Coming home from work. I'm Claims like, are you Johnny fame. Galvatron? Uh, okay, anyway. Fun times. Um, so, yeah, that was a little clip from their first album, and then pretty much all of their albums were just, like, winning. Their next album, uh, Underneath the Colours, 1981, um, Stay Young is the opener. Oh, actually, I don't know. I don't actually know much on that album either, but Stay Young just this once. If you want to play it, let me know. <laughs> don't just sing a song that no one but you knows. What's it called? Stay Young. Stay Young. What do you mean? This is why our listeners tune in. I don't think I know that song. This is the album opener, too, by the way. Like, that's a pretty cool opening. Not a cum thumper. That those that synth is, makes it super 80s. Yep. And everything about it. <laughs> oh yeah. No I do know this. But this it still has more in common with that uh, just keep walking sort of sound mm-hmm. than the kick stuff. Yeah. Just this one. Um, reached number 15 on the Australian album charts in uh, 81. Next one uh, is, I'm just going to give you a real brief about each of them. Let's play the opening tracks for each of them. Okay, what's the next one? Uh, Shabu Shabar is oh, the album. What a name title. Shabu, Shabu Shabar. Shabar. Uh, the One Thing. Oh, and this one has Don't Change on it. Oh, is yes. the uh, closer. That's, a, that, that's the big hit of the album, right? Yep. Don't Change. Yeah. Grinspoon did a great cover of it too. Pretty, pretty uh, faithful to the original, really. Yeah, it is. That's probably why I think it's so good. <laughs> I 
I don't like change, Matt. Don't change, then. Nice. This is, like, of, of the lesser of my favourites of the singles. Let's see, let's see it don't change. Yeah. The closer. It's a cracker. Shabu Shaba. Yeah, what a name. This is... This, is, uh, this, this should is, have been the opener. This is great. This is a sick tune. Um, Shabu Shaba is an onomatopoeia of a rhythm in the song Spy of Love. This is probably their best song, is it? Uh, one of the songs on the album we're actually doing today, I reckon, could uh, have a crack at that title. But we'll get to that. Um, this peaked at number five on the ARIA charts, which is the Australian charts, and remained on the chart for 94 weeks. Right. It's a banger. Wow, this just sounds like my childhood, honestly. I'm standing here on the ground. The sky above won't fall down. Cracker. Uh, the next album was The Swing, released in 1984, um, and had it was re- recorded in New York City with Nile Rodgers and had Daryl Hall on backing vocals. Right, so which this, is pretty fun. Yeah, I saw so I saw Nile Rodgers at um, either Meredith or Golden Plains Music Festival, and he did a medley of all these huge hit songs that he. Played a hand in. I'm sure he he snuck they, it in. They did a bit of original singing. Amazing. Uh, which is the opening track? Let's hear some of it. This is another one of their big hits. Was this a yep. worldwide hit or was this just um, Australian sort of hit? Let me find out for you. This is another one. This is just yeah. This is classic in excess. Yeah. This is starting to sound more like the classic in excess. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Um, actually, there's a comment about it. Um, overall, the album featured a slightly harder-edged sound than their previous releases. Oh, that's interesting. No I would album. say this is poppier, but maybe not the album overall. Yeah, I know what you mean, though. To play with fire. But you know uh, it was number one in Australia, the song, and it was number one in France. Yeah, right. So France was on to them early. Mm-hmm. And it was also number one on the US Billboard Hot Billboard Hot Dance Club Songs in 2011. Yeah, right. Which is there you go. a fact. Charted um, top ten um, in uh, New Zealand as well. Oh. And top 40 in the Netherlands. Cool. Thanks, And top 20 in Canada. So it was a bit, it was like a bit of a worldwide hit. Hmm. A time. Uh, and then, so then a following album was Listen Like Thieves. Which is a cracker. Um, released in 1985. But they were pumping up. Pumping out albums every year as well. Yeah, and it worked because this one hit uh, number 11 on the US Billboard 200, number 24 in Canada's top 100 and was in the top 50 in the UK. Um, it also had the band's first top five single in the US, which is what you need. Right, well, should we hear about that? That's the opening yeah, track again. They, Beautiful. They put the, often put the big They really the open them well, don't they? Oh, yeah. Is this not, like, proper in excess, hey? It's a, I can't believe how many hits they have. I know. It's insane. I, if you asked me to name, list them, I probably would have been able to... I would have told you six songs. Yep. And now as I'm going through, I'm like, holy shit, I must know 20 of their songs. <laughs> I don't know the words to this one. <laughs> the title track... Sounds like a sounds familiar too. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Give it a give, we'll it, a, get to give the it a spin. Chorus of this one first. A little bit of the. It's not really a chorus. Mm-hmm. Just it's just a it's a it's a yell. 
Has that cheeky little sax? Yeah. So Kick. then the next, the other track, listen like thieves. Oh yeah. On the radio. This doesn't even chart that high. This made it 28 in Australia. Why do I know it so well then? Just some songs end up hanging around longer on the radio than others. Definitely a Triple M's. I mean, Classic. this came out before I would have. I don't. Yeah, it must have been like Triple M. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, and then. And then it was the Good Times that sort of came up. Between that album and this album that we're doing today, I believe. And it was. Um, you want to give that. Give it a little spin. Okay. Uh, Get some Junie up in here. Oh, hang on. Ooh. What's this? So give it a live version of it. This is from, oh, this is live at Mushroom. This was played oh. live at, I was there. That's me cheering, maybe. <laughs> Wait, Michael Hutchins isn't in this one, though, right? No, it's just Barnsley. Oh. Barnsley and in excess. Man, I mean, can duet with himself. That's the thing about Barnsley. He's got... God, gravel, he's got honey. He can he's do both. He's just all over it. Find a man who can do both. Let me see. I'll find the original. Here we go. The film clip to it is great as well. I'll try and remember to post a link. No, this, this is, is not, not it. it. <laughs> uh, that's called Good and Bad Times. I just want good times. There we go. And this is a this is a cover of an Easy Beat song, right? Yes, it is. Who were like a pioneering... Aussie um, band, sort of were? in the George British Invasion style. It was. And uh, is it George, what's his name? George Young, George Young. is Angus the and brother of? Malcolm's older brother. Mm-hmm. Vander and Young. Vander and Young. Very influential Australian producers and members of that band. So this was from uh, soundtrack to... The Lost Boys. The Lost Boys. And it was With a... Kiefer, wasn't it? Isn't that Kiefer? Yeah, Kiefer. And it was a favour to maybe Joel Schumacher, whoever the filmmaker was. There was no money in the budget, but the deal was that he would then um, film a film clip for them in the future. Oh, that's cool. Which he did down the track. All right, we're... we're uh... Now we're getting to the album that we're doing actually in this episode. Yes. I was fully that. like settled in that we were going to listen to that whole song, actually. So, 1987 rolls round, and the sixth studio album, uh, Kick, is what we are doing today. It's gone six times platinum uh, in uh, America, I think, which is six million units, uh, and also spawned four U.S. top ten singles, which is, I think that's pretty huge for an Australian band. Yeah. Um, for Shaul. Um yeah, they ended up. They took a while to break in England, and yeah, then they ended which up. Which is funny because usually I find Australian bands uh, find success in the UK before they get in the US. Like the US seems to be like the hardest market. It just it depends on the sound. Like um, it's true. I remember Savage Garden was big in the US. The uh, Little River Band apparently they with or without f- John Farnham. Uh, Pre Farnsey. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> this time I'm playing to him. They. Pre Fancy, they and pre Hang Little River Band, on. they. Oh, you're not going to let me. You're, not, you're actually not going <laughs> to let calls. me get a sentence out here. <laughs> <laughs> Before they even formed Little River Band, they tried to break in the UK. Um, what was the band called? But anyway, and it, it just it didn't happen. And and um, one of the members I remember seeing in an interview is like, we really we went left when we should have turned right and gone to <laughs> the USA. So and then they went there as Little River Band and, and had a bunch of hits. Good for them. Um, yeah. So I think it just depends on the sound, of, depending on what um, the trends are in each country at the time. But yeah, I think it does seem right to me that Australian bands will find it easier to make it in the UK than in the US. Yeah. Perhaps. Perhaps. Um, so I am genuinely disappointed with the album opener of this album. Of all of the hits that they could have put 
at the front, like they chose a single that, or they chose a song that didn't become a single, and um, we'll have a listen to it. Yeah, well, play it soon. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just talk a little bit about it first. So it went uh, six-time platinum in the US, seven-time mm-hmm. platinum in Australia, diamond in Canada. Uh, but it went platinum around three times platinum in the UK, platinum in Switzerland, New Zealand, France. Uh, it was just a massive, massive album all around the world. Uh, they ended up playing Wembley in front of 70-something thousand oh, people. Oh, I've seen clips of that. It looks insane. It looks sweaty. I don't know how people don't have a panic attack in those crowds, <laughs> yeah. but it looks great. The footage is fantastic. Uh, there was an article uh, written in the Rolling Stone, or more of a listicle, uh, 30 years after it came out. Beautiful. In, uh, 20-whatever that is, 2017. Um, and they were saying that their first 10 years as a band, they went from playing pubs across Australia. So they, they were another band that came out of the Australian pub rock scene. Mm-hmm. And then they started filling modest-sized venues in the US, but that wasn't enough for the group. And the result of their rising ambition was Kick, their sixth studio LP released 30 years ago when this article was written. Mm-hmm. Uh Almost exactly 33 years ago to us, uh, which is how old Jesus was. So if they were a Christian band, wow. they would have been... This, uh, is that a, what happens if you're a Christian band? You you have to break up after 30 years only to reform three days later. <laughs> uh, the result... Well done. <laughs> we're allowed to say that. We grew up Christians, so we're allowed uh, to... Catholics. Well, yeah, that's also true. It's like turtles and tortoises. Tortoises are turtles, but ter- there's the other way around. <laughs> I don't know. All tortoises are all turtles, to- but turtles I, are not I think always all, tortoises. All turtles are tortoises, but not all tortoises. No, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. Jeez, uh, the tur- tortoise heads out there will be absolutely <laughs> the yelling at their iPods heads. right now. <laughs> uh, I'm turtle heading right now. <laughs> <laughs> Once on oh, no, on do go on, we would we had we were um, talking about turtle heads like that. And someone, or a few people messaged in and said, that actually means something different in America. What did you mean for it by here? Because it meant... Yeah, no, it meant... It, I think they just thought we were accidentally okay. making oh, a... well, like, actually. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so Kick, this album, mm-hmm. released in 1987, uh, with its sensuous, danceable blend of rock, funk, pop and blues, the album peaked at number three on the Billboard charts, Surpassing their earlier career best rank of number 11 with 1985's Listen Like Thieves, which generated their first top 10 hit, What You Need, which we just heard. Mm-hmm. Kick has been certified platinum six times over in the United States and has reportedly sold 20 million copies worldwide. Holy shit. Four singles off the album reached the top 10 in the US, with Need You Tonight becoming the band's first and only number one. Oh. Uh, and then there, I, there's, ten, there's a listicle of 10 um, interesting things. I'm... I'll go through some of them. Uh, this blew my mind, the top one they've done. Their label hated the album. I read that. So after the success of Listen Like Thieves, the band teamed up with legendary producer Chris Thomas to take their collective efforts a step further. Recording for a good portion of 987, both in their native Australia and in France, the band felt they had built upon the possibilities opened up by What You Need. After the album was finished, longtime manager Chris Murphy took it to Atlantic Records president Doug Morris. Uh, he, and this is quoting Chris Murphy. He put his feet up on the desk and closed his eyes from the minute the record, record went on record. to the minute it finished. Um, when it stopped, he said, I'll give you a million dollars to go and record another album. This is not happening. Wow. This is shit. What a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> After that meeting, in which he failed to persuade Morris how Need You Tonight fit perfectly into the zeitgeist, Murphy received a call from the worldwide president of Polygram, who, according to Murphy, asked, what the fuck are you and Andrew and Michael doing? <laughs> <laughs> and just for good measure, the head of Warner Music Australia echoed those sentiments. Wow. Three different record companies with no interrelationship are all telling me the same thing, Murphy said. One positive response did come in giving Murphy hope to press forward. I got a call from my product manager in France, Murphy said. He wanted to tell me that the band were geniuses and that Never Tear Us Apart will be one of the biggest singles he'd ever heard and all the other tracks were brilliant. That gave me spirit, he said. So isn't that amazing? I'm glad one bloke had the bloody sense. Yeah, and it 
really, it had uh, this is the second interesting fact they had about it. It was basically his Murphy's belief in it, and he put everything on the line that saved the LP. Oofed. Like a, you'd say, a, a bunch of people, if they didn't really believe in it, I mean, it would be hard to hard to um, argue with three separate people saying this is no good. Yeah, but um, uh, Murphy. Or arrange a somewhat clandestine meeting with Atlantic's radio promotions executives to play them some of the songs, while the rock and R&B department staffers couldn't figure out what to do with the heady mix presented before them. (laughs) Andrea Guinness, who spearheaded college radio promotions, enamoured with what she heard. Um, She then got Murphy to book a college tour. Oh, she didn't get him to, but I think that inspired him to do it. He booked a college tour... On his own money and the band's money. Holy shit. Uh, and the band didn't know this, but he, he put them all in. All their money, all his money. Oh, Everything was on the line. Oh, my God. So if the album, and the album wasn't even getting released necessarily at this point because oh all the labels hated it. He's like, if this tour is a hit, we can, the pressure can build. Yep. Um, so at that point, as uh, Need You Tonight took off on college radio and the band sold out shows across campuses around the country, the efforts to make a major breakthrough in the US began to pay off. Atlantic added the album to its full release schedule, uh, but the struggle was intense and according to the band's official biography, in excess, story to story. Nice. The members... <gasps> That's a quote from uh, The Stairs, my favourite song. Oh, right. Except it's about buildings. Uh, the the members they love that they love doing a bit of bit of punnery cheeky wordplay. Um, so yeah, at at that point the band didn't know that uh, That's their money fucked. was on the line. <laughs> Apparently, to Murphy, I risked every dollar they had and every dollar I had on that tour. If it failed, there would have been a mutiny. It would have been the end of everything, and I knew it. Holy so pressure shit. was on, but luckily, it all came it was off. A freaking hit. Um, Hutchins and Andrew Farris wrote all of the original songs on the album. There's one cover, but they mm-hmm. wrote all the originals. And apparently that was, uh, before that, there had been a bit more collaborations amongst the band. But yeah, okay. The um, the powers that be are like, that. that's the best writing partnership. Hutchins writes the best lyrics. Mm-hmm. Farris writes the best, best music. And the band all agreed. And that, that's the direction they went down. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Gary Gary Beers told Rolling Stone in 1988, we understood that Andrew writes the best music and Michael obviously writes the best lyrics because he sings them. So we left it totally up to them. Wow. Uh, I mean, there's lots of fun facts. Anyway, but let's get into the album. That one about it all. All on the line. It made, it made it's like, oh, Brave. shit. <laughs> Imagine him and the band not knowing. Oh. It's, it's like that time when... Um, uh, George Harrison funded, I think, The Life of Brian for Monty Python. Oh, my God, really? And they, they didn't realise that he had to mortgage his own home and stuff to do it. Oh. So they're like, oh, we're glad we didn't know. We would have felt too much pressure for yeah. it to succeed. But uh, he, like, they only found out later, like, yeah, if the movie failed, he was, <laughs> he was broke. He was oot. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Anyway, okay, so the opening track, and this is one you're suggesting isn't the strongest opener. Correct. It's called Guns in the Sky. And it's, yeah, it's one of the five songs I hadn't heard before. And that weren't released as a single. But it's, uh, I think it's fine, but yeah, it's just, it's not one of the bangers. It's just like straight into the most 80s mm-hmm. sounding song ever. I'd call this a mm-hmm. fine. It's, not awful. There's one track on this album I think is bad. I'm interested to see what it is because there are. I think this one is sort of just. It's okay. It's a, it's a song. Yeah. Mm-mm. 
But everything about it is so 80s. Oh, yeah. Go to the sky. Whoops, just right here. <laughs> the, the next track is um, one of the many singles. Yes, it is. Uh, it's New Sensation. Oh, this is just, it's another one that's like an instantly recognizable classic in XS yep. song. It's a great riff. Their live album was called Live Baby Live, right? Yep, yes it was. Based on that line. They do, they love a bit of wordplay. This has been used in ad campaigns and stuff since, hasn't it? It's a... I reckon you might be right. Great pause. Yes! There is a great pause coming up later on the track as well. In fact, I might have used it in one of our uh, get-togethers in a pause category. That just must sound baffling to listeners. Do you remember people listening to this conversation? (laughs) No. (laughs) No context at all given there. We made a playlist of songs with... Playlists with great pauses. That doesn't make it sound any clearer. Uh, The next one, another one of the singles, Devil Inside. One of my favourite songs of theirs. Really cool film clip to this as well, actually. Love that. More great Ferris riffage. I should say, so, so far... um, We've heard the first track was, I think, purely written by Hutchins, including the music. Maybe that's why it's it wasn't as strong. Of a... But these two were both uh, written with the Hutchins Farris combo, mm-hmm. as was the next one, which is another big hit. Just you just write these simple riffs that are. So damn catchy. Yeah. Makes me wonder, wonder, wonder. With a look in his eyes. Fair on nothing, but full of pride. Look at him go, look at him kick. Makes me wonder how the other half lives. I love rhyme and kick with Liv. So good. Clever. Devil inside. Devil inside. Then the next one is, is definitely one of their iconic... They've got many, but this is right up there on the... Um, sort of the peak of their iconic mm-hmm. hill. Why are we both so wheezy? Neither, <laughs> neither of us smoke. <laughs> This is maybe this is their most iconic song. Almost? No, I still reckon it's coming up. I can't go that low. Isn't it amazing that all these different studio execs are like, Nah, this sucks. Cut. That's I. I can't imagine hearing this for the first time because I just can't. It just feels it's like just I've been always forever. known it. It's just been forever. It's something about you, girl. It makes me sweat. Like this. I mean, this is all from before you were born as well. Yep. It's only soon after I was born. Well, I mean, the whole season is before. Yeah, I was that's born. true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the whole season is. I reckon I, 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 my memories of music starts in like maybe '89 of like pop music. Yeah. Okay. At like coming out at the time. All this is just I knew in hindsight. Yeah. But I guess that's why it sounds like it's always been around, because it has always been around. It's always been around. The odds are we heard this... In the womb. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was a little out of the womb, but... 
So yeah, this, this to me, this is like maybe this is the most iconic in excess song. Yeah, okay. On the Mount Rushmore, what would you put as the four tracks? I reckon that'd be one of the Mount Rushmore of in excess songs. Um, Never tear us apart. I think is one. Yes, of, I think that up. is their biggest song ever. It's but it didn't. Se- it wasn't their biggest selling one. No, I think it's gotten bigger yeah. later since Port Adelaide. You know, Port Adelaide. Oh uh, yeah, they do sing too. It before every home game. Um, the next track, track five, I would say, look, that's a question without notice, but mm. at the end of the episode, give us your Mount Rushmore of In Excess songs. Yeah, let's do that. The next one is the one that sucks. And this See, one was written by Andrew Farris. This one, depending on what radio station you're listening to, will play Need You Tonight and turn into med- Meditate. Mediate? Oh, really? Mediate. Um, yeah, they play it as a whole track. Oh, kind I don't of think like, I've, I feel like I've like, never heard um, it before. Kind of like we will rock you into we oh. are the champions. Like, oh, there you go. Well, and the the film clip, I think, was a double. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, I'll play. I'll play the last few seconds of Need You Tonight, and let's go straight into Mediate. Um, See how that flows. But yeah, I reckon yeah. Mediate sucks. <laughs> you you reckon it's all right? Obviously. I think I've just known it forever, so it's like. Um, but the film clip itself is a take on. Um, uh, a Bob Dylan film clip. Ah, with, when he's you know he's standing with the cards. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's a it's Andrew Ferris trying to write a an early hip hop song. Trying, being the operative word. Yeah, I think that's I, just like I squeezing I too many words into some lines, and that's, that's just, like a the cost. number eight. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's clever. <laughs> but yeah, you can see, and they've they've got all these words on cards. Mm-hmm. Bob Dylan, so yeah, it's gonna be one of the just, most um, parodied film clips of all oh, time. Oh, for sure. Didn't I swear? Um, what's his face? Weird Al. Weird Al. Yeah, Al almost Al. definitely. Yeah. But yeah, this one it's just um Michael Hutchins flicking the cards down, and then Kirk Pengilly comes in later with the sax solo. Yeah, right. Michael Hutchins looks beautiful in this film clip, though. Oh, yeah, I'll give him that. Pretty beautiful, doesn't it? It's great. Hutchins. <laughs> uh, the next tracks they're only. Uh, Cover of the album. It's called "The Loved One," which I didn't realize was a cover. Um, and it was—it's a classic Aussie song. It was a, a hit in in the sixties, I guess. Released in sixty-six. Sixty-six. Good year. The year the Saints won the. Oh, what a the year! Premiership. I remember it like I wasn't there. This is a good tune. should say that the uh, the band was the loved ones. No, sorry, the song's the loved ones. Mm-hmm. No, the band was the loved ones. Oh, yeah. And it charted for them at number two in Australia. And yeah, in excess okay. later or earlier releases a single um, in 1981 and it charted at number 20. Yeah, they got wildlife. Oh, is that some cowbell I hear? This is a real album track. Mm-hmm. It's a filler. To me, it's another. It's a bit of a filler. It's a filler. Then you've got the one you were mentioning, "Never Tear Us Apart," which is another one of their absolute iconic tunes. I think this is this is the the iconic tune for so, me. Pr- ori- originally written on piano, and then um, uh, someone mm-hmm. from outside said, I "Reckon this is, could be even more epic with strings." That's cool. I will look that up and find out. 
don't have to tell you I love your precious heart I I was standing and you were there two worlds collided and they can never tear us apart pause <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can live. I reckon, yeah, so Need You Tonight never tear us apart. These are the iconic ones. Don't Change, I might Don't put change, on there as well. Yeah, and I reckon Original Sin is oh, a good one. Yeah. We gotta get to the. Maybe facts. Suicide Blonde on the next album. <laughs> yeah. The Stairs is not, I don't think, as big a hit, but yeah, it's my favourite. It's great. I don't think I've ever heard it. Because we all have ways. But Matt. Some of us don't know why. <laughs> you got to get to the uh, sax solo, though. Oh. We, can, we can skip to it. Pause. Pause. <laughs> Here it is. It's it? coming. Just wails on that Yes. Sax. Give it to me, Kirk. What a name. Yeah. Imagine having the name Kirk Pengilly and being the second best name in the band. Oh, unfortunate. Don't ask me. All right. You know it's true. Then we got Mystify. This is nine. It's another, another like hit. This song. That's a good song, too. I reckon the next track, the title track, is maybe my favourite on the album. I reckon it's a banger. I don't know if they released it. They did, and I assume they did, and I I, knew it well. Because everyone knows it. Yeah. This is a great song. Yeah, it's a banger. It's just like up and about. Maybe I know it because it's just played on um, and sports montages, live sports telecasts have played as well. Yeah. Absolute banger. I'm satisfied. Ooh, just joking, <laughs> remix version. <laughs> this is my computer in the death throes of the battery. Two more tracks. So come on, we can get through them. Oh, shit. Feels the same as me. Gotta get to the chorus. Yes, Kirk. When my back is broken. You could hear Barnsley singing this one. Oh, yes, you could. Simple lyrics, but so good. Yeah. Just the whole build behind it yeah. gets me excited. It's, a, it's an epic pump-up tune. And then we just get, like, a sax break, because why the fuck not? Uh, then second last track, 11, is Calling All Nations. Which is, it's, a, it's a real classic in excess sounding song. I didn't know it before this, but they uh, they call their world, world tour the Calling All Nations tour. Makes sense. I mean, tracks like this, I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see why maybe the execs didn't love the whole album. But they just thought it stunk from start to so, finish. Oh, which, I mean, what a... You reckon, like, no after vision. it blows up, they're like, oh, it was just... Joking. That's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I think we... I don't want to jinx it, but I think the battery's going to last. Oh. For another one of my favourites, track 12, the final track, Tiny Dagger. No, I absolutely jinxed it. Oh, did it just die? <laughs> absolutely jinxed it. It's <laughs> so funny. All right, well, while you uh, figure out how we're going to play the last track somehow... 
How are you going to play the last track? Well, right I'll, I'll, ch- I'll have to charge up the computer. The reason we... <laughs> The, re- the reason I can't charge it while we're also listening is because it plays hectic static through the um, recording software. And we don't want to burn y'all's ears. Well, while you work out what you're doing, I reckon my Mount Rushmore would be Don't Change, Original Sin, Never Tear Us Apart, Definitely. Oh. It's tricky, isn't it? I can't believe how many... See, I, I always thought Devil there. Inside was one of their biggest tracks. Like, Devil Inside to me is yeah. classic. Every I single wish, one um... of us. <laughs> um, but while, uh, while we're charging, what are your, would, you, would you agree? Would you disagree? Do what, you would different... give us yours again? Um, the ori- original Sin. That's the one that's like, dream mm, on yeah. white boy, white boy. I, I think that is a big one, but I... Yeah, I guess it is, it is like one of their classics for sure. But mm-hmm. I, I reckon Don't Change, Yep. Uh, Need You Tonight, mm-hmm. um, Never, Never Tear Us Apart. Apart, and yeah. That fourth spot is so Kick. hard to Maybe feel. I'm going to put Kick in there. But, but it was we, never a single, so I don't know what the rules are. But we haven't even got to like after this album. Yeah, Suicide Blonde is... That's Disappear, the first one I remember. Bit of Tears. By My Side, I would say, is pretty oh, yeah. big. The Stairs, Heaven Sent, Baby Don't Cry, Taste It, Beautiful Girl, The Gift. When did Suicide Blonde come Elegantly out? Wasted. Uh, Suicide Blonde Because I reckon that's the first song that 1990. I... 1990. No, no, no. The I was, I was say, born. That's the first one that I remember hearing. I remember where I was. I was at our cousins, the Grants. Good. And they, they were a bit older than us. Mm-hmm. Or a bit older than me. I'm a bit older than you. <laughs> um, and that, yeah, that their family's a little bit older than us, so they um, they knew in excess when I just hadn't come across them. I guess. Yep. <laughs> um, and yeah, they, I remember the film clip was uh, something like, was like people running at the camera, maybe. And I think it was it's meant to be about oh, Kyle Minogue. I think isn't it in um, black and white or mostly oh, maybe like black, it's in black and, white. and white? Yeah, and the. I think it was sort of about Kylie Minogue because uh, Michael Hutchins had they been dated. dating her. What a power couple, mm. Michael Hutchins and Kylie Minogue. Excuse me very much. Um, so fun fact about, I just went for Kirk Pengilly because why not? Um, he was married to Denny Hines way back in the early 90s for a couple of, 10 months the yeah, marriage right. lasted. Um, and he has been married, he's been with Lane Beachley since 2003, I think. And Lane Beachley. World champion. World champion surfer uh, who has, uh, she won the world champions, world championship seven times. Um, the only woman in history to gain seven world championships and the only surfer, male or female, to win six consecutive titles. So she's pretty badass. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's another power couple, Kirk Pengilly and Lane Beachley. That's pretty cool. Um, so I'll check check the old uh, mailbag because we've got another, um, what's it called, letter. Well, before, let's just play out the album just before. Oh, is it alive? Yeah, but if, if people do want to get in contact on the mailbag, there will be a link in the show notes. Just click on that and uh, you will be able to write any sort of message. If you've got any questions for me or Sam, you know, maybe you want to know what our favorite album or band of a certain genre is, mm-hmm. or maybe you want to tell us what your favorite album of the 80s is, or maybe you want to tell us what your favorite album of all time is, or, or anything you like, basically, any sort of music-related stuff. We love it. Um, even if it's tangentially, tangentially I don't related know. to the oh, the show. On a tangent. There we go. Tell us what your what okay. your first uh, concert was, or if you any of you got to the Mushroom Twenty Five Year Anniversary concert at the MCG. I think it, the tickets were two dollars. I'm Fuck pretty off, sure. Really? Yeah, they were two dollars if you um, were a Telstra customer or something like that. Classic Telstra. All right, so. Um, here is the album closer, Tiny Daggers. Oh, well, though. <laughs> Aggressive. Which I actually don't know if I'd heard this before. Yeah, I I had. And I I kind of assumed it was going to be one of the singles, but it wasn't. 
<laughs> Just have a moment again. It's a banger. I like this one a lot. This is one of my favorites on the album, I reckon. This is a fun dancey. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a feel good party sort of tune. Um, so yeah, that's the album. So, you want to open up the mailbag? Oh, actually, what do you radiate out of 80? Ooh, good question. Yes, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's, it's like an album where you know the songs. How do you rate it as an album? It's strange. Um, and then, yeah, but then like. Mediate really. I can't it, give it really too hard. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It just is like out of nowhere. It's like, oh, this song. Try not to something. Eight. Mediate. Number like eight. At some point, Andrew state. Ferris noticed that a lot of words finish with eight. A-T-E. And he or goes, E-I-G-H-T. I reckon there's a song in this. There's something, there's something about this. Uh, but yeah, it's hard not to give it a pretty good number. I'm going to say it's a very sexy album. I'm going to give it a 69. Oh, hoy. I, uh, I'm going to go higher. What is it out of 80? I'm going to give it a 78. Whoa. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the highest number we've given anything, I, I reckon. I think it's a great album. Since Cold Chisel, anyway. Since Cold Chisel. Who got a lot of high scores. But, yeah, that is big. And you, it's I mean, such a great album. And you've loved it forever as well. Yeah, I'm So th- this, this definitely works into what we know about you. Yep. The more you know something, the more you, the more you like it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it is... Uh, I mean, 20 million album sales, you know, it says something. It does. And we all know things that are popular are good. <laughs> uh, we can, uh, we'll, write, we'll make T-shirts for that one. Yeah. It's <laughs> so good. Um, so we have a letter in the mailbag today uh, from Nicholas Fuster. Um, G'day all, very excited to hear that your podcast will be back to some sort of regularity as of soon. That's that's as specific as I like my time yeah. frames. Well, it's as of now. What was their name? Nicholas. Nicholas. Fuster. You listen here, Nicholas Fuster. <laughs> We're back, baby. We're back. You can mate. set your watch to us now every Sunday, Sunday, week. Sunday nights. If you've got a Monday, seven daily Monday. watch, you got one of those uh, 24 times seven hour watches. Yep. Then, yeah, set it to this. You got it. You're on. It'll be coming out midnight. I think is what I'll be, I like to do. I'll try and put it out midnight Sunday nights every week Melbourne time. So when you wake up fresh in the morning, we're ready. Or if you're ready to party Sunday nights. Or if you at live midnight. elsewhere, it'll be Sunday afternoons oh, if yeah. you live in America or... Elsewhere. Europe. Europe. Um, When reviewing Aussie albums, your podcast is my absolute favourite and I can only hope that after The Smiths, you review an Aussie album. Oh my God, are you in luck? Well, fun story for you that you've just listened to. Uh, Although this season hasn't been exactly filled with them as in Aussie albums. That's okay. We've, We've got five, I think, in total. Yeah, well, that's a spoiler. I told you that in confidence, Sam. We'll okay, just edit no, that, that one out. <laughs> no, that is true, though. Um, uh, that's going to mean people are going to know what's coming up as we whittle down the numbers. Will they? Yes. Oh. <laughs> but, um, uh, no, that, is it five? There's something like that. There's some, something like a quarter of the albums. Might be four. Oh, that's a fifth? Yeah. I'm doing maths. I don't know. I don't, yeah. Uh, granted, your episode on Diesel and Dust made me fall completely in love with the album, uh, even though I did so a few years earlier and didn't exactly feel enamored with it. Diesel and Dust, alongside Cold Chisel by Cold Chisel, uh, and a few other assorted albums by bands such as Goanna, Hunters and Collectors, Silverchair, Powderfinger, etc., have been a great beacon of light in an otherwise not great year. That's fair. This Hunters. year has not been wonderful. Um, very I glad if to see. Will be coming up. Had, a lot of their big albums are all in the eighties. Yeah, they're a huge band too. They got, they started with like twelve people or something. Oh right, a huge band, <laughs> members wise. Yeah. yeah, yes, the band members are huge. Uh, very glad to see the show back and hope that after Meat Is Murder, assuming that's the next album, yes, 
Uh, we here at Aussie One. My money's on something from Boom Crash Opera, but perhaps that's optimistic. That is optimistic, but one of my favorite albums ever is Boom Crash Opera's These Here Are Crazy Times. Yes, I, I think the thing here, Nicholas, is that uh, <laughs> these were voted on by listeners from around the world. So some of the albums that tend to get more votes are going to be ones like In Excess's Kick because it was a worldwide hit. And uh, as Matt says, as was if it's Oils, popular, it's good. It's and good. It's good if we it's all know popular. That. Yeah. Uh, what are, are they the only two Aussie albums we've had so far? Yeah. Yeah. So they're both, and they were both big charters around the world. So, yeah, that might be the case, um, although it might not. In fact, it's not not the case the whole way through. So, yeah, we'll see how we go. But, um, uh, yeah. Uh, well, Thanks the, for writing in, Nicholas. <laughs> the point, Nicholas, the point of starting this podcast was to um, do a podcast that was focusing on some classic Aussie albums. So, uh, yeah, we do. We have some sort of a. We we didn't have to in um, uh, enforce any sort of rule on this. The votes did happen that um, something like twenty percent of the albums were Australian anyway, but. I think we would have wanted to have had at least 20% albums oh, yeah. to be Australian if we were going to do it. So, uh, yeah. 100% uh, of last season was Australian albums. That's true. So we're still <laughs> running at a pretty high ratio. and But we would, we'll keep that in mind in future seasons to try and make sure we're always doing some Aussie stuff. Yeah. We like to circle back to local. Thank you so much for writing in, Nicholas. I think that's that's it from the bag today. Well, uh, please do message in if you uh, have any thoughts. Um, sounds like the letters bag to Alan is is pretty thin. It's letter bag. Letter bag to Alan <laughs> this week. Um, so anyway, that leaves us with nothing else to say except for goodbye, Astrid. Goodbye. podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. If you want to know what next week's album is, uh, the opening lyrics of the opening track well, are... This will be interesting. This is a song for Carol. You're in a Japanese fast food and I dropped <laughs> off your Japanese lover. <laughs> And you're going to the beach all day. You're, you're so pretty when you're unfaithful to me. You are <laughs> so pretty when you're unfaithful to me. So look that up if you're keen to know what next week's album is. And we'll see you then. Laters. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.